Elevates on a three. It's an air ball. Wow. And the Aces have gone the road to Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky and stunned the number one Wildcats 67-64. This is Aces on the Air, the official podcast for Evansville Athletics. Craig lines it into center field base hit. Here comes Brooks from around third. He will score. And the Aces walk it off again. Aces on the Air is brought to you by Toroni's Pizzeria and Brewery. Claim a $3 off value at any 2023-2024 UE Athletics event on campus. Sherry sends one into shallow right field. It's a base hit. Here comes Craig around third. There is no throw. Simon says game winner. Now here's the voice of the Aces, Jevin Redmond. This is Aces on the Air, brought to you by Tronies and powered by Learfield. Hello, Aces fans. I'm Jevin Redman. Episode 15 this week takes us to the baseball diamond as baseball season is right around the corner. Evans will open up next weekend at Oral Roberts. And of course, as we have established, high expectations are placed on this year's 2024 Purple Aces team. And it is a veteran-led team. We'll talk with two of those important pieces, senior shortstop Simon Sherry and also grad student third baseman Brent Witt. Uh, It's a fun conversation coming up. We'll preview the season a bit, talk about their career so far here at Evansville, and it really is a wide-ranging conversation. We get into their friendship and how, well, maybe it didn't start out as as friends. They were competing against each other uh, for that shortstop position a few years ago, but now one of the more talented left side of the infields in all of college baseball. They become good friends. We'll talk about that, and uh, again, it's a fun conversation the next 45 minutes. Brent and Simon, uh, two of the baseball players that uh, I've gotten to know over the last few years. They're great guys and very talented um, so hope you stick with us throughout this episode of aces on the air episode 15 now before we get started with simon and brent a reminder that Toronis is the official sponsor of aces on the air and aces fans anytime you attend a sporting event on campus at the university of evansville right now that's women's basketball come the spring that would be both baseball and softball you can pick up a three dollar off voucher for your next trip to Toronis. so big thank you to Toronis for sponsoring aces on the air let's get to it our baseball conversation a fun one with shortstop Simon Sherry and third baseman Brent Witter. Enjoy. Guys, thanks for joining us this week. Um, baseball season starts next week. Hard to believe uh, middle of February it always sneaks up on us, especially in the middle of basketball season. But you know, the last few years have been a lot of fun. Um, had some special moments with you guys. And uh, I know last year was just a win away from making the NCAA tournament. I want to start with there was a quote from some media outlet. They said the Purple Aces are old and salty as hell. Is that true? I think that's the best way to put it. <laughs> it's crazy going to practice and looking around at all the old guys because there's a lot of apparel that we had that we got like three or four years ago. And uh, there's some like sweatshirts that we wear. It's like, yep, yeah, this is insane how many guys still have this apparel going on and how many old guys and grandpas we still got in this team. <laughs> when you look back the last few years, Simon, what are you most pleased with or proud of with the regrowth of this program? Because you guys started, they had some rough years, right? Uh, but now top half the Valley last few years. So what are you most proud about in terms of the regrowth of this program? Um, I mean, honestly, how much fun we have and how close we are. I mean, I feel like when I got here freshman year, uh, I mean, obviously we were pretty close, but throughout the years we've been here, we've developed really close relationships and kind of just built that. And then every day, like everyone wants to be at practice. Everybody wants to show up to the yard every day, and that kind of builds a good atmosphere, and we all just have a lot of fun. With how close you guys were, especially last year, does that sit with you throughout the offseason as giving you extra motivation for this year? For sure, yeah. I mean, we're, we're more of like a we, – we've become a culture first program, I think. Um, I think we, we developed the culture first and then the wins come second. Um, but, yeah, I mean, being able to, to create those relationships and having the same amount of guys back as last year um, is huge and 
showing up to the park is amazing with the guys that we have this year. It's, it's such a blast. And it's, yeah, this is the most excited I've ever been for a season in my life. Position-wise, just about everybody back. Uh, you have a couple of your starters back as well. But with some new pieces added overall, what do you like about this group here as you get ready for the first week in the season? Um, I think it's cool that we have a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. I mean, adding Cal McGinnis uh, this year, he'll come in. Probably he's competing to play second. So if he goes to second, then uh, Kip will be able to go to the outfield. And then just like having different pieces, like Kip can come to the infield. We got guys that can play any basically anywhere on the field. So having flexibility at the, both at the plate and then defensively is cool to just have a lot of different guys that can do a lot of different things. If you go back four or five years ago when you made the decision to come to the University of Evansville, I know Simon of course, you're not far away, Santa Claus, Indiana, but Brent, you're from Wisconsin. So again, this program had several years where they did struggle before you guys got here. So what did you see in West Carroll, his staff, and this place to want to join? Yeah, I, the conversations that I had with Skipper and the staff before I came here was everything to me. Like when I was looking for a school, I wasn't looking for someone that had all the bells and whistles. I wasn't looking for all the toys. I was looking to come somewhere where I could develop and somewhere that I'd be able to have my best chance of becoming the best baseball player I could be. And uh, from the start, the first conversation that I had with uh, with Skipper, um, I knew from the start that he was going to give me a chance, and I wanted, I believed in him from the start, and uh, I knew I wanted to play for him. And again, Simon, no, you're not far away. You're familiar with Evansville, so why'd you kind of stay home? Um, for me, it was a big thing with you know talking to Skip, and then uh, I got recruited by Coach Mahon, who was the hitting coach the year before I got here. And it was honestly just like they – made it known that they wanted me. Like, a lot of schools would be like, you should come here. We have this. It'd be cool if you came here. And then I feel like with Evansville, it was like, we want you. Like, we want you to come to Evansville, and that meant a lot to me. What's it like playing for West Carroll? We talk about the atmosphere that he's created, a family-like atmosphere. He lets you be yourself. Uh, the dugout can be wild at times throughout a game. So what's it like playing for him? And also, do you guys ever get any comments from other players? Like, must be fun to play for, for the Evansville Purple Ace. Do you ever get comments like that? Yeah, I mean, that the biggest thing is – Skipper letting our personalities come out on the field. Um, he doesn't lock us up, and he just lets us be who we are because letting us go out and let things fly is going to be at the best version of ourselves. And I've definitely gotten a lot of comments from um, from other guys, especially summer ball teams, where it's like, yeah, we've heard about you guys. Like, It sounds like you guys have, have so much fun. And, and then I hear stories about other coaches um, that are pretty uptight and um, run a pretty tight ship. And it's not as fun to play for, but uh, it's just different type of styles. And obviously, I fell in love with the style of coaching that uh, we have here. You mentioned summer baseball. Make sure I say this right. Wausau Woodchucks, right? <laughs> yep. What was that experience like for you guys playing together in the summer? Um, it was fun. I mean, being able to kind of just let it loose, meet other guys from other places, but also having a familiar face. Uh, where we could still share the left side of the infield together and play together every day. Um, it was a cool experience. To, like, I mean, I feel like my freshman, sophomore years, there were people like going to the Northwoods that were like, what is, where is Evansville? Like, what is Evansville? And then this year going there, like being like, yeah, we're from Evansville, and people are like, oh, we've, we like know what that is. Like, we've heard of that. Right. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, you think you're close when you play school ball, but you spend an insane amount of time with each other when you play summer ball as well. Like, you're with each other every single day from, like, when you wake up to the end of the day and um, – Obviously, it's cool to go with people that you know to start with because um, there's obviously other groups from um, other schools, and it's kind of cool to gain relationships alongside with each other. You talked about why you chose Evans on whatnot. Let's talk about why you chose to continue to play baseball. You both are pretty good on the basketball court. Uh, Simon, here to Chills High School. Uh, for Brent, your high school up in Wisconsin. Your senior year, Brent, you averaged 24 points a game. Simon, you were the career impressed player of the year your senior season. Did you ever think about playing college basketball? I did for a little bit. Um, Basketball, like I never really tried to focus fully on basketball. I was definitely baseball first, but uh, 
I, I just think my love for baseball just kind of overlooked the fact that um, I had an opportunity to, but I just base baseball was just always it. So sure. Um, I would say for me, like I mean, growing up with my dad being the superintendent, like having keys to the gym, it was always a lot easier to go to the gym and shoot than it was to like go hit baseballs like off a tee. It's like I felt like I could get more out of going to the gym. So I was in the gym all the time. And then, I mean, it comes down to Evansville wanting me. I mean, right. a lot of even basketball coaches like, yeah, you could come here, you can come here. And then for me, it was like Evansville was like, we want you to come play baseball here. So that was kind of my decision. Do you guys play any basketball still or not really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We play, yeah. We're not supposed to tell anybody about it. <laughs> I, won't, I, I won't tell Wes. Right? <laughs> uh, so one-on-one, who's the better player? I think I think Simon would beat me one-on-one. Um, I think he's more athletic. He's got he's, – I don't know. We haven't played many one-on-one matches together, but I think he'd probably have the upper hand one-on-one. Shooting contest might be a different story, though. Pretty good horse player then, one of those? Yeah, I don't yeah. lose in horse. <laughs> <laughs> Basketball-wise, who do you guys like watching in today's game? I know you both are pretty big NBA fans. Simon, the Pacers, Brent, the Bucks. Uh, who do you like watching? Man, I got to say Tyrese. Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, it's kind of been cool like to see him come up uh, with the Pacers, and then he was kind of – I mean, he was solid, but not, the, not a superstar with the Kings, and then making the trade, I was kind of iffy at first, but – seeing him play like how he does and has I mean kind of like we talked about just having fun out there like it looks like he just wants to be there and then obviously watching Giannis develop in my uh while I was growing up as well but now we got Damian Lillard and they just fired their coach halfway through the season Adrian (laughs) Griffin now they got Doc Rivers and his whole squad and I think Doc Rivers is starting off his tenure at one in five or something like that so (laughs) they're just trying to figure out how to play with each other and Chris Middleton sprained his ankle last night. Dame has a sprained ankle. So, I don't know. I think it's good that we're kind of going under the radar a little bit because we're a big buy team right now, and I can see them making another move at the deadline. Um, but I hope they get hot when when they need to, and we'll see. Hopefully they figure out how to play with Doc Rivers is good for a second-round playoff loss, so I don't know how yeah, much confidence. I, I honestly, I didn't like – I really didn't like the Doc Rivers move, but – he was probably the best option. I didn't like the Adrian Griffin move from the start. Everyone's going to say that because, obviously, he's fired now. But he, I just I feel like if you got that many superstars on your team, you got to bring in a veteran coach that has a little bit of say in something, not a first-year rookie coach. And I think that's ultimately what happened is the players just lost respect in Adrian. And that's why that's why you fire a coach midway through the season, I think. I think if the season ended today, it would be Bucks pacers first round. Would it? Yeah, I think Bucks are the three, Pacers are the six, yeah. We'd well, walk, I'll see you next Pacers year. Walk through that one. We'll see you next year, Milwaukee. <laughs> uh, if David Raglan came and knocked on our door right now and said, "Hey, I need you guys to play tonight against Bradley. Give us 15 minutes. How many points would you drop?" I don't think I'd make it longer than three minutes without. <laughs> oh yeah, I would die. Oxygen. If I didn't get a shot, if I didn't get an open shot up in the first minute and a half of playing, I'm not going to score because yeah. I'll be sucking for air. I think it'd be tough to score in general. So no, no points. <laughs> no. I'd give it my all, though. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Get a few fouls in there, right? Right. Maybe a deflection. I don't know. <laughs> Simon, you're from Santa Claus, Indiana. You meet a lot of different players uh, that come to Evansville, your summer ball teams. When you tell them, hey, I'm from Santa Claus, Indiana, what do they say? Like the North Pole. I get, does Santa Claus live there? I get, is that, not a, re- is that a real place? Pretty much anything Christmas involved. People remember you, though. True. As the Santa they Claus guy. They know where cat, you're from. Right. Of course, I remember Holiday World. So, Simon, I'm sure plenty of trips as a kid to Holiday World. What's uh, what's your favorite ride to Holiday World? Ooh, I got to go with the Mammoth. Mammoth. It's always freezing cold, but it's so fun. You get so wet, and it's just a great time. Did you go a lot as a kid, or did you kind of space it out? 
Yeah, so we always had season passes every year. And then, I mean, every summer, if it rained, that's when we would go because we didn't want to deal with crowds and lines. So we would literally wait for it to rain and then ride our bikes there. How yeah. much is it to get in that place? 40 for I one think, person. For a day. 20 or 40, something like yeah, that. I think. Closer to 40, I think, yeah. But it's free soft drinks and free sunscreen well, and free parking. There so. you go. <laughs> Good bang for your buck then, I guess. Right. I'm disappointed, Brent. You've been here for four or five years. You've never been to Holiday World. I know. I've been I to Santa you, Claus I, I a couple times, too. I've been to Santa Claus a couple times, but like you said, I'm not a, I'm not a huge roller coaster guy, but that wouldn't stop me from going. I definitely go hang out in the water park. Well, water park opens. I go. I go on a ride I, for you. For you, I go on a ride. I appreciate that. Max like one or two rides though. Two rides. Two roller coasters or two, two roller rides? coasters. Okay, I was gonna say you better ride more than two rides. Two roller coasters. I'll, I'll let you get me on. Okay, I got two in mind. There's only four, so. Are they both wood? No, no. One's the only okay. metal one they Is have. Is one the mammoth? No, that's water. That's water, yeah. Oh, that doesn't count as a roller coaster? No, no, no. You're going on all those. <laughs> You're not getting out of that. All right. As people can tell, you guys are very close, good friends. Um, what was your first thought of each other the first time you met each other here at Evansville? <laughs> We've had so many conversations oh, about man. this. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So, obviously, my sophomore year, his freshman year, um, I got off to a horrible start, but um, mentally, like, was not there, wasn't playing well. And Simon was obviously the defender that he was. <clears throat> and so I started at short. He started at second. Played great. I think that was Georgia, right? Georgia's first weekend yeah. that year. Played great at second. Um, we ended up winning one of the games that weekend. But um, played short for a while. And then um, there was one weekend that he ended up moving to short. And then I got a couple off days to kind of reset my head. And um, it's not that I ever, like, like hated you or like ever was like god this guy sucks or anything but it was just like it was cool to have you like behind me because you were good like you're really good i was like wow i'm really gonna have to work i'm really gonna have to start performing or this guy's gonna pass me by and then obviously that ended up happening for a while he ended up playing short and played a really good shortstop um and then I, when i went back in i went back to second and obviously it was cool to still be up the middle with him um but yeah it's just it was um started off kind of rough because obviously we were competing against each other. Um, as much as we were teammates, we were competing. Um, and obviously that turned into some, a pretty special relationship that we have now. What do you but think, Simon? I would say we really like weren't even that close until probably spring. I mean, you were you had just gotten handmate surgery, right? Yeah. So you didn't play like beginning, like right away in the fall. So we, I mean, it was kind of just like competition. Like I was getting to know my own grade. He was like, had his grade. And so like we weren't that close. And then started like throughout the season getting closer and what when he like sat the couple games honestly I was terrified mm -hmm. it's like this dude this is not gonna go well like this dude's gonna hate me <laughs> and then it kind of just like like he said I mean it's still like we still compete every day and he still like says don't get comfortable like and Eric Roberts was what always joked with, with us last year and he was like hey you guys struggle like I'm coming back to the infield like don't get comfortable so uh we kind of still do that at practice like he'll be like I'm I'm still a shortstop like don't get comfortable <laughs> So, I mean, it's pretty friendly competition, but it is good. Like, I mean, it builds a relationship, and it's still competitive. It is kind of funny, too, because the year before that, Craig Shepard was a shortstop before I got here. And then um, me and him had, uh, obviously, competing jobs as well. And me and him also grew a great relationship off of that as well. So I just thought it's pretty interesting. Now, you're an infielder, but different positions obviously have different responsibilities. So you go from short 
to second, then all of a sudden to third. So you're back on the left side of the infield. Yep. And I think people that didn't play baseball or don't fully understand, like, that's that's a tough switch going from second to third. Different position, right? So how did you handle all those changes? And I know – I think I remember last year talking to Wes, maybe talking to you, when you made the switch to third, you weren't, like, super fired up about it, were you? No, no. no. Well, you're, to start – like, shortstop's been my position, obviously, right. growing up. Um, second was very uncomfortable. But then, yeah, the first – the first game that I played at third base, I think it was against Michigan State, and I get called up uh, to Skipper's office, and he goes, hey, uh, how do you feel about playing third base today? And I was like, I don't know. I started, <laughs> sure. like, freaking out a little bit. Um, he's like, well, just just go out there. I just want to see what you look like out there today. Like, go let it fly. If you make an error, you make an error, like, whatever. Um, obviously, third base is a place that I was not comfortable with at all, but turns out that it's my favorite place on the field now. Mm-hmm. Um Super Bowl's coming up this Sunday. We're going to bounce all over the place, all right? Uh, Chiefs, 49ers. First off, you're at a Super Bowl party. you got to put together a plate of food. What is the go-to plate of food for the Super Bowl? Give me like three or four of your top choices. Wow. I mean, Buffalo chicken dip's number one. We all know that, but outside of that. <laughs> okay. Got to have some chicken wings in there, right? Yeah. Got to. I, must, I, like, I love that, like, taco dip. I don't know what you – Oh, yeah. The taco dip with uh, – I don't even know how you make it, but, like, it's got the, some Fritos on it, too. Like the walking taco dip. Yeah. We might have to call some people in to get some of these prepared for us. Yeah. Mm. Pepperoni bread. Mom's pepperoni oh, bread. Yeah. You got to throw that on there. Yep. Shout out, Mom. Honestly, anything with, like, nachos. Oh, I could munch on pulled na- pork nachos? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could there munch on nachos forever. There we go. Who wins on Sunday? Or who do you want to win, San Francisco or Kansas City? Can they both lose? That's right. You guys don't like the Niners because <laughs> Packers can't beat them. That's right. I forgot about that. The Niners have dominated the Packers in the playoffs for the last 10 years, but I don't I actually don't hate them. Yeah, I don't either, but I mean it's kind of just a respect thing. Like you just can't just can't beat them. Well, I mean they haven't won a Super Bowl since 94, right? It was 1994 the last time they won a Super Bowl. Ouch. Yeah, probably something like that. So, I mean it's definitely the 49ers that I want to win, but I think the Chiefs are going to win again. If the Chiefs win, the Packers beat the Super Bowl champ. If the Niners win, the Packers got beat by the Super Bowl champ. So, and the Packers weren't really supposed to be there this year. No. Rebuild year. And they, and they should have won that game. They should have. Yeah, they were up late. They would have beat the Lions by 100. So In Detroit. Point. Would have been awesome. <laughs> uh, sucks. Pretty obvious, Brent, how you became a Packers fan, being from Wisconsin. But Simon, being from Indiana, how did you become a Green Bay fan? Um, I mean, my dad was a big Packers fan. I don't know the exact like history behind it, but I – think somewhere my aunt was like born in Green Bay or close to Green Bay and so like my dad lived up there and then I've just grown up in a Packers household I mean my uncle's a big Packers fan dad's a big Packers fan so we would always go to my uncle's house and watch games and then it kind of just I just was kind of born into Packers fandom have you been to Lambeau Field for a game I have because of this guy yeah tell us about that um so I've had season tickets in my family for countless years i think up to like 60 years now or something like that um but we get two tickets um and two games every year we kind of split it up with our other extended family members in the last two years i've had a game where simon came with me um this year we went to the packers bears game on january 6th and then drooled through the night to get here for practice on monday morning (laughs) that was brutal and then i think last year did we go to the vikings game last year when they won by 40 or something like that yeah two and oh Yep, 2-0 at Lambeau. We're going to drive back up for the Lions game last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, good thing we didn't. Yeah, that been awful. Yeah, so I've been yeah, just usually – usually because, well, with the Christmas break, I usually get the December games. Right. And then we're both off. And they're freezing usually, but yeah, usually – So worth it. 
Yeah, it's awesome. Man. I was going to say, what's the coldest game you've been to at Lambeau Field? I went to a game where it was zero, I think, two years ago. I think windshield was like 10 or something, like negative 10. But, yeah, it's it's a different experience up there when it's freezing. So I've been by Lambeau Field because I think it was four years ago, the basketball team played at the University of Green Bay, Wisconsin, the one right across the street from Lambeau. I was there. Lambeau. You were at the game? I was at the game. Really? Yep. Did I was there. That. I remember going to that. I think it was my freshman year. It was four years ago, right? Yeah, it was 2019, December 2019. So I remember... I mean, the area is almost like you're in Evansville. All of a sudden, you drive up, and there's Lambeau Field. Like, there's no skyline. There's nothing. So, um, Simon, what was your first thought when you walked into that place, being a Packer fan? What was the feeling like? So, I went – we went on my – so, I have a cabin in the Upper Peninsula. So, one year, we drove up, and usually it's, like, middle of the night because we drive through the night. But one day, we drove up, stayed the night, and then went to, like, a training camp practice. And so, I got to go into Lam- like, a tour and, like, go in and see it, but it was empty. So I was like, oh, like this is cool, like historic, like really neat. And then going to a game with a packed stadium, it was like breathtaking. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, walking out of the tunnel never gets old. I mean, you could say that with any stadium, but walking out of the tunnel and seeing everybody out there, it's just it's, it's incredible. All right, would you rather return a punt at Lambeau Field in that January game against the Bears or take two at-bats against our oldest Chapman, and both at-bats you get hit in the ribs? Now, you can't run out of bounds, Simon. You can't call a fair catch. You have to return the punt full speed. You have to run straight ahead. I'm still picking that one. I think my entire team can attest to the fact that I'm not an HBP guy. So, also, seeing a roll this, knowing it's going to hit me in the ribs twice in a row, probably going to be paralyzed after that. That'd be tough. So, I'm going to go with returning a punt. Especially if it's against the Bears, I could probably house call it. You think so? Against the Bears, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Poverty franchise. <laughs> yeah, I'd take the punt, too, just to be down on the punt. field. That'd be... But two in the ribs, like the same rib. Right, you're done. That'd be... <sighs> yeah, I think one time you could probably put up with a hit by a pitch from Chapman. Back-to-back oh. in the ribs. Mm. Especially if it's like get hit, step out, step back in, get hit again. No, Mm-mm. I'm going to need three innings to <laughs> get, my, get my wits back together. Yeah, and if it's under 40 degrees, it's going to be even worse. Oh. What one Major League Baseball pitcher right now would you win taking a bat against? Just to see what it's like. Well, somebody that's currently pitching right now has a clue where it's going, which I guess is probably most of them. <laughs> I want to see um, what's his first name. That uh, the closer for Astros, Presley. What's his first yeah. name? Ryan. Ryan Presley. Yeah. What he, he went so many innings without giving up a hit. I want to see his slider. It's disgusting because um, it looks gross on TV. I'm gonna go with. I want to see Strider's fastball. Yeah. Just to see how much it looks like it rises. That's going to be almost like a bob fastball, yeah. a volleyball fastball. I'm going to have to swing four balls above it. Yeah, literally. Yeah, I'm going strider. Uh, on the different spectrum, what is one major league pitcher you think you could get a hit off of? Not a oh, position geez. player, a true pitcher. Wade Miley. Adam Wainwright. Doesn't pitch anymore, though. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I was holding on to that one. Wade Miley's like 90 from the left side. If I can just catch a fastball. <sighs> I'm thinking of guys that don't throw all that hard, like Kyle Hendricks. But his ball moves so he's, much. Yeah, he's so. I'm good. not gonna be able to hit all those. No, there's no shot. Movement. I like the Wade Miley call, but that's your answer. So I gotta think of my own answer. You can stick with Wainwright if you want. He pitched last year, so if I'm sticking just, with Wainwright. If you just sit Cutter on Corbin Burns, you probably get a knock. I don't. I don't like that idea. I probably could, but I'm sticking with Wainwright. Maybe see the curveball early. What was he? 87 to like 90 last year. Yeah, probably with like a 68 mile hour curveball. <laughs> if he got to 91, he was feeling good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Breno, you're a Brewers fan. Simon, who's your baseball team? Um, I don't really have one currently. I uh, was like, my dad's a Royals fan, but a lot of my friends growing up were Cardinals fans, so I kind of followed the Cardinals for a while, and then 
I was a big Alex Bregman fan in college, and I was just, I mean, I was, he was my favorite player, and then when the Astros called him up, it's like, oh, like, I'm going to follow the Astros, because Bregman, like, that's my guy. Mm-hmm. And then they won a couple World Series, and I was like, well, this looks bad now. And then they cheated, and I was like, yeah, I got I to gotta stop. This isn't it. So now I'm kind of looking for a new team. Okay. Who is it between? Cardinals, Reds? It's not the Reds. Right now? No. Right now would be a great time to be a Reds fan. I think I want to find, like, a weird outlier team, like the Seattle Mariners. Mm. But I don't really think I want to follow the Seattle Mariners. So I don't know. Kind of up in the air. It's hard to follow West Coast teams. Right. Like, as good as the Dodgers are going to be, you can't really follow them because they play so late. Yeah, I refuse to be a Dodgers fan. What, what, what do you think of that with, with what the Dodgers have done this offseason? I think it's good to have a villain in sports, but I don't know. I don't know if I like how they have just bought a whole basically franchise. The only thing is it's baseball. Like, I feel like anybody can win on any certain day in, in yeah. the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like um, it's football or basketball type of thing where you can have super teams. I mean, in baseball you can, but it's to a different extent where it's you still have to play the game. You have to play against the baseball. Um, obviously, they make the baseball move a little bit differently. <laughs> but I think, if anything, you have a more of a chance for other teams, I guess, to, to beat super teams in baseball. I mean, yeah, ask the Diamondbacks and the Rays. Swept the Dodgers any, last year. They don't spend any money, and they've been in the World Series, and they've both been in the World Series. Yeah. I mean, you have two bad nights, you're done. Back-to-back days, see you yeah. in the playoffs. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it take, yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of rule changes in baseball. I not going to go too in-depth with that, but the speed of the game, of course, that's translated to college baseball as well. You do have somewhat of a pitch clock. Do you guys like that as players, infielders, to stay more engaged, or do you like the natural rhythm of the game? I like it. You do? I got it. I have undiagnosed ADHD or ADD, one of the two, <laughs> or both. So having guys on the mound that take their sweet time, and it's like if a guy gets on, you're kind of like, oh, no, like we're going to be out here for 30 minutes. So I think it's nice to have guys with some tempo and – like guys that get going a little bit. So I think the pitch clock will help that. I agree. I think the, the team that's on defense the least is usually going to win that game. So if you can speed pitchers up a little bit yeah. and get the game moving, I'm, I'm all for it. Do you have to make sure Simon's paying attention then if you're playing 30 at short? <laughs> Not with the pitch clock. No. Without the pitch clock, maybe. But I, I got to stay locked in. Before the pitch clock, how did you keep yourself locked in? Um, Honestly – <clears throat> Did you ever miss a pitch where you're looking somewhere else? No. <laughs> it's happened to me. Sometimes I would look up late, but it was never like full-blown missed one. Like I'd be like, oh, I got to be ready like now. But, uh, I mean, honestly, it would be just like my big thing is once the pitcher's ready to pitch, then I usually was like ready to go. But mm-hmm. for me, it was always like waiting until he was ready to deliver a pitch. So I would usually just like run different scenarios through my head and just be like, where do I need to be if this happens? And just like running all that. And then once he's ready to pitch, then I'm – like prepared it's, it's a big thing to reset too like you shouldn't have to be focused yeah because we see i mean we see so many pitches on defense and, and offense every single game that you need a reset and it's just it's just how are you going to be able to focus for the three or four seconds that you have to focus for right and then reset and know what you're going to have to do when the ball gets to you and then focus up again Let's go into the batter's box a bit with your mindset we talked now defensively some um simon we'll start with you you were the fourth toughest Valley uh, batter to strike out last year. You're pretty aggressive at the plate. You don't walk a ton. Uh, so take us through. You also don't like to get hit by a pitch very much. <laughs> no, I, I, I found out too. So uh, just take don't us through. Valley hear that. What, what is your mindset? Because I tell people your average has been pretty consistent, you know, right at or just below 300 every year. But I've said Simon's a clutch 300 hitter. Like, you know, some guys get the hits when it doesn't matter. You get hits when it does matter. So uh, what is your mindset in the batter's box? 
Um, for me, a lot of it is just like stay within, like trust, trust the process, trust what I'm going to do. And then swing at pitches that I think like that I know I can hit well. I mean, a lot of times like with not striking out, I'll swing at pitches early in counts that I know I can hit, but aren't pitches I should be hitting in those counts. So for me, it's being ready to hit the pitches that are there that show up like in the middle of the strike zone that I need to hit while also knowing like trusting myself with two strikes with one strike that I can still put a good like put good contact on a ball so just like trusting that I don't need to swing at every pitch and that I can see a couple and then still be able to do damage later in counts for Brent two years ago you hit over 300 last year you had to battle some injuries the wrist and the ankle I'm sure it was frustrating because you didn't really feel like yourself throughout most of the year but uh, so if you go back to 2022 and you hit over 300 what was working well for you and some keys this year in the batter's box staying consistent to my plan um, there's times I'm um, when I'm up there and like I'm feeling good I'm always staying on time for fastball and then I can react to everything else uh, but there are some times where I get in a mode where um, I'm like, oh, I don't think he's going to throw fastball. I think he's going to throw off speed. And that's where I get into trouble when I start guessing a little bit because then I'm off rhythm and then um, I don't guess right. Uh, but if I can stay on time to the fastball, everything usually aligns itself uh, up pretty well for me. You guys still go to Taco Bell for pregame meal? I'm kind of losing hope with Taco Bell. Why is that? Breakfast is supposed to open at 8. We've showed up at 8.45, 8.50, 9 o'clock, and they still say we're not serving breakfast yet. Mm. Hopefully they hear about this. Hopefully they need to watch this because that one on 41, never. So we always go to McDonald's instead. Wow. I know. I don't know how it's going to affect Hopefully the they're Aces, listening to this. They're losing business. I would try to help you out, but uh, I've been to Taco Bell, I think, twice in the last five years. See, I'm not a Taco Bell lunch or dinner guy. Just breakfast. Breakfast. What do you get for breakfast then? If it's breakfast. So the bacon breakfast crunch wrap. With the, usually the meal, so you can get the little Cinnabon things, and then that's yeah, and then usually a Sprite. They had Sierra Mist for a while, and now it's Starry. Starry, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that, but what do you get at McDonald's now? Two bacon McGriddles and a Sprite, static Sprite from McDonald's. I don't know because I'm not a Taco Bell guy, but people say the Baja Blast is good. Do you ever get that? Not in the morning. Not in the morning. Mm-mm. It's so good. I'll drink that whenever. Because <laughs> I'm not a big caffeine guy, but if I was going to, I'd drink a Mountain Dew or something like that. Uh, pre-game routine outside of going to Taco Bell. Take us through that. I know baseball players can be superstitious. I mean, do you have your set routine? What, what's it like? I don't know if I have anything that I do before the game. Usually I stay pretty consistent with my breakfast. Like I'll have a bagel and then um, some yogurt. But some cold pizza to the lunch. <laughs> some Little Caesars for lunch. That's <laughs> the big – like you got to bring food to the field because we're there for so long. Yeah. I just bring whatever I have. Whatever I ate the night before, that's what I bring to the field. But – we have our hug circle. We have the hug circle. Yeah. That hug's not even involved in. Yep. We do our prayer, and then we've got the throw the football the hugs bit, after right? that. Throw the football. Yeah. What is it with baseball guys and just a football? Because that's that seems to be a popular thing. What is it? It's just I don't know. It's, it's a pride thing. It's therapy. People think they can sling it, but they really can't. It's a Except man. Brent. Brent can sling it. I I just it's so fun. Just like trying to throw that. I mean, I'm I'm a huge football fan too, and. It's when you try to actually throw a football, it it really shows you how good some of these NFL quarterbacks are um, and how talented their arm is with throwing these footballs because it's unbelievable. But I, I just think it's so therapeutic just throwing a football. I think it's also for how much we throw a baseball that it's nice to like throw something else and have like a little bit of a different action so you're not just stuck throwing a baseball over and over and over again. So are you the best quarterback on the team then? I don't know. I don't know about that. Oh, I, we, uh, I think some of our pitchers ran some seven-on-sevens in the fall, and Elias Hashem has a pretty good arm on him. Um, he was slinging that thing around when, when the pitchers were playing against each other. 
Definitely but, a pocket passer, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> pocket passer, but he was slinging that thing. But, yeah, I take it. I can spin it a little bit. Yeah. I would say my money's on Brett. I forgot to ask this. I was so excited to ask it, and I just completely blanked early on when we talked about growing up in Wisconsin some. But uh, you played tennis quite a bit growing up. You were very competitive. I know through grade school, uh, I read you were ranked as high as fourth in the state of Wisconsin in tennis Whoa. in grade school. No. So <laughs> I played basketball, baseball, and also tennis. Still played quite a bit of tennis in some really? here at Evansville. So I was excited to, to meet other tennis person yeah. uh, when I found that out. So uh, why, did you, why did you stop playing tennis? So, yeah, I played extremely competitive tennis growing up, like traveled all around the country um, for rankings, of course, state rankings. And then once I got to high school, it was the same season as baseball. They were both in the spring, mm -hmm. which kind of sucks because I even thought about maybe even changing schools to go to a school that did have uh, tennis in the fall and baseball in the spring so I could play both. Um, but I guess when I had to make the decision, I just came to end up playing baseball. Um, but I, I love tennis so much. I, I wish – when I'm done playing baseball, I'm definitely going to um, pick it up again. And whenever we go on vacations, that's – we go somewhere with the tennis court. And we yeah. play – me and my brother play tennis for two to three hours a day at least. It's just – it's I love tennis so much. Uh, do you watch much tennis on TV? Who are some guys you like watching if so? Um, I don't want to be a bandwagon, but Alcaraz is so fun to watch yeah. right now. He is unbelievable. And then, I mean, Novak, Novak is just – unbelievable still at the age i don't even know he's 38 39 right now and yeah. he he's the greatest tennis player i've ever watched but um a couple of american guys too i like watching fritz he's a good player and then i like paul rudd too i think no not paul it's his first paul name. rudd's an actor no, not paul rudd he's i forgot his first name uh rude or rudd or something he's a good player too i like watching that simon's not even a tennis guy and he knew that yeah paul rudd's ant man Just, yeah <laughs> come on uh Ben Shelton's fun to watch because of his serve. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's pretty young, though. He's like 20, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Power, powerful lefty. I might mess up his name, but Medvedev, is that how you say Oh, it? yeah, Medvedev's really yeah. good, too. He's a little crazy, but he's, he's fun a, to watch. He's a, yeah. He's nuts. He's a little wanky guy <laughs> to watch. He's, yeah. Yeah, Simon, I don't know if with your struggle to pay attention if tennis would be the best sport for you. You know, going one-on-one -on -one like that, those long rallies. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a casual, but I'm a big Nick Curios guy. Just because he does all that between the legs stuff. Are you in like a league around here? Or? So Wesselman has some pretty like I don't want to say easy going leagues, but there's no pressure to play every week basically. Yeah. So people get together, you switch courts every 30 minutes. There was a Monday night league that I was playing in, but I stopped playing a couple years ago. So Wesselman has several leagues. Yeah. Really? Well, I'll have to hit you up about that in in the summer or something like that because there we I've go. Been looking. I, lo I love to play. Smart yeah. around playing around here. So cool. that's probably my my best sport. Yeah, it's a really tough sport to go and play in college as well. Because they got so – like, if you go look at college teams around the country, like, most of them – most of the guys in the team are going to be international kids. Right. Because, I mean, they're insane with training over there. And they, they like to they like to recruit internationally. It's funny because I, I played really just to stay in shape for basketball, baseball season. Yep. Uh, and it will be my best sport. But uh, enough tennis. Let's move on back to baseball a bit. Uh, hosting the conference tournament this May in Evansville. Uh, we talked about the last two years being so close. I went away from the championship at Missouri State. I went away from winning it all against Indiana State last year, both of their places, so now we get to host it. What will the celebration be like when, I'm going to use Chase Huck since he had the walk-off Grand Slam last year, hits a walk-off Grand Slam at home this year to win it? What would the celebration be like? Chaos. It would be insane. It would be like within our team and our like uh, group, it would be like when UE beat UK, I would assume, close to that. I mean, obviously there won't be really anybody on campus, but I would say within our team and like the surrounding 
fan base, like our whole thing would be like that, I'd say. What was – take us through that last year, okay? So you're in the ninth inning. I mean, you're probably thinking, man, our season's about to end. Nobody on, two outs. We're down three runs against a pretty good lefty. Um, so take us through just that range of emotions, about a five, ten-minute span from being basically done to we got one more game. Well, it's just like the human nature of like – like this, the probability of us winning this game is, is not high and not giving up, but it's like, it's, it's, it's not looking good. Cause well, I, w- I was the second out of that inning and I struck out against Spencer and I knew going into that bat, I was like, I, I got to get on here. If, if we even want a chance here, um, ended up striking out and got back to the dugout and was like, wow, this is, this is going to suck. Like mm-hmm. it, it might be over. And then a couple guys get on it. It's like, it was oh like Hordy gosh. and Stewie, wasn't it? Yeah. Like back to back hits. Yep. I think, um, well, Stewie got a hit. I think Hordy walked, and then Eric walked. And even when Hug was up, it's still like, well. Still a long shot. It's going to need, it's going to have to take something pretty insane right now to happen. (laughs) Um, And that's just the human nature of it, no matter how competitive you are. Um, And then just just going from two ends of the spectrum where it's like you're down in the dumps, like you're faking it almost to like be positive and be like, okay, we still got this. To then actually him like taking that swing and that moment it was just it was unbelievable of course it was chase hug too yeah why do you say that chase hugs just i mean everybody i think knows at this point he's just a a character like just his own personality and it's just nothing really phases him too much he's i mean pretty as close as you get to a perfectionist especially when it comes to offensively i mean anything that like he feels isn't like how he should be like with a swing i mean he literally thinks he should hit 800 like every year, like that's just his expectation, how he prepares himself, like how he gets his work in. And it's impressive. And then it's cool to like see it pay off. And then, I mean, everybody knows the character of Chase Hugg. So don't you guys tell him just, Hey, don't think, just go up and hit the ball. Yeah. He's at his best when he's not thinking at all. Yeah. So Brent, you graduated back in May finance degree, right? Yep. Simon, you're not quite done yet, right? I graduate this semester with a business management degree. Okay. You guys are hoping for, um, a lengthy baseball season this year and maybe a chance to play pro ball as well. But uh, when baseball is done, then what do you guys want to do? I, I really have no idea what I'm going to do yet. <laughs> I'm just starting now to think about, like, where I actually want to start to look. Um, thought about staying here in town or, like, maybe going back to Wisconsin, but probably staying here. But um, thought about wealth management jobs. Um, I want to do something where I have some meaning in it and some job that I, I can help people with instead of just go working some corporate job and just crunching numbers all day Mm -hmm. um, and not having any um, connection and relationship with people that I'm actually helping. So I think the wealth management job will give me some relationships and one-on-one connections that I can actually help people with. I don't have any clue. No idea, huh? I'm open to anything. Would you ever think about coaching or being involved in like a college program? Um, Yeah. Or or probably get away from sports. What do you think? I don't know. Maybe take a couple years away and then see kind of where I'm at. And if I want to get into it, but I'm not sure yet. I think both of us would be great high school coaches. Let's do it. Together. You want to be the head? I'll be your assistant? Sure. Okay. Do basketball. At Heritage Hills? How about you're the head head coach for basketball, I'll be the head coach for baseball. Okay, there we go. I don't know if either of those jobs are open or close to open, but. (laughs) Whenever they open up, I'll move over to to Santa Claus. Okay. I'll put our name in when we get to that time. Okay. Say Coach Hawkins. He has a pretty good record there at Heritage Hills. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, no, I don't think he is. For example, Brent, you're big with numbers, being a finance guy. What do you guys think of like the analytics in baseball? Do you believe in them, or do you more so trust your gut? Like, how do you how do you balance old school maybe versus new school? Not that the game's up to chance with baseball, but it's such a game of inches that it's it's 
it's so hard with all the analytics. I, I don't know. I haven't looked into it too much to have a, have a real opinion about it, but it's hard to say that that has any control of the outcome of a game, in my opinion, but I don't know. Yeah, I'd say I'm much more like an instinct guy. Mm-hmm. Or just like seeing a swing or seeing like what pitch is coming, like stuff like that, situations that I would go more off like what I feel could happen other than like in this county, it's it here, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. I understand too, like the percentage of like, like you get your first guy on in an inning. Like I understand the analytics of like that guy scoring is yeah. definitely higher than it would be if that first guy got right. out. And obviously what you do with guy on second base and nobody out, like if you bunt or if you let three guys try to swing, like I understand that sort of analytics and probability for sure. I think that's really important. As far as watching like, you know, game film of the opposing pitcher, how much do you dive into that stuff or do you more so adjust kind of in person? Because, for example, Wes Carroll gives me a scouting report. I ask for just, hey, what does a pitcher throw? Like fastball, curveball, sinker. He gives me this, like, 10-page report of, oh, he throws this with two strikes. I'm like, I don't need that much. I just need to know the, the type of pitches. But I think you can maybe get too deep into that and you start thinking too much in the box. So um, I guess how much how much game film do you watch and how much do you read up on the opposing pitchers? Um, I would say I watch a decent amount of video, kind of just like to see shape, see, like, how hard it is, how hard it looks, like if hitters are late usually or if hitters are early. And then other than that, I trust, like, my eyes. It's I got to get in the box and, like, it'll still – no matter how much video I watch, it'll still take me a couple pitches to be like, okay, this is what he has, this is how it looks. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't just walk in there pitch one and be like, this is exactly what I'm going to see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so easy to go down a rabbit hole with all the stuff that we have at the tips of our fingers. Um, I, I personally try to stay away from that stuff, especially when I start seeing probabilities when they're like, oh, it's 1-2, he usually throws this. Or yeah. in a 3-2 count, he usually throws this pitch where I'm a guy that needs to um, stick to my fastball approach. And if I start thinking like, well, he's throwing 70% slider when it's 0-2 and it's usually out of zone, like that, that'll just jumble me up and I won't, I won't have a chance. You take a fastball right down the middle. Yes, but then <laughs> um, obviously like looking at the film, seeing the motion and the timing um, – of his motion is is huge but yeah he, um our, our hitting like Walen, or, uh, coach Wilenson and, and skipper they obviously tell like here's all the information like you can do with it what you want to do with it but they warn us not to go too deep into it all right let's finish up with this i think this team if they stay healthy has a chance to win 40 plus games uh has a chance to be in the conversation for an at-large bid without winning the conference tournament but you have to be off to a better start that hasn't been the case the last few years and it's a tough non-conference schedule so um just as we finish up here and preview this season what are some keys for this group to get off to a better start and then be where you want to be at the end of the season i would say i mean like skip said i mean we've been outside for a whole week already Mm -hmm. like in years past we've been in the armory all the way up until basically we leave i mean my freshman year at georgia it snowed the whole week before we went down there so it's like we had no really like outdoor experience like at all and then this year being able to get outside and then we got a lot of guys that are just tired of losing early like I mean Horty the other day was talking like I mean he's been in college for a while and he said he's never won an opening series maybe even an opening game yeah, he's I think he says oh when 13 or 14 or something in like opening weekends like mm-hmm. none of us have had success early and I think it's to the point where we're like no nah, screw that like we're past that we're gonna go get something done I agree yeah and obviously we had an old team last year, but we have another old team this year. And they said in that, I don't know, article you brought up before, but um, we're salty and we're old. And um, unlike other teams, we already have chemistry. It's been growing here for a while. We have the culture and um, we have the the guys and the experience to go there and not need a warm up um, in the season. We'll be ready from the start. 
Well, guys, hopefully you stay healthy. Hopefully it's a fun year, and hopefully we're celebrating late in May. Thanks for your time. Best luck this year. Thank you. Appreciate it. That is Simon Cherry and Brent Witter from Evansville Baseball. They begin their season next weekend at Oral Roberts. The first home game is Tuesday, February 20th against Bellarmine. That wraps up Episode 15, Aces on the Air. I'm Jevin Redman. Thanks for listening. Go Aces. Some people take the straight path in life. But at Arizona State University, we respect your twists and turns. They make our online students more driven to excel in their professional lives. That's why our personalized suite of services empowers you with innovative resources and staff that sticks with you. Make your next turn with one of our 300-plus programs at ASU, number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Visit us at asuonline.asu.edu to learn more.